right, this is the next episode of 10 Questions. I'm Thinker, and I am on the line with Alif this uh, this time. Hi, how's, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? It's really great to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk your ear off. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I love getting to talk with people. I love hearing their stories. It is, it, it's fun for me to be able to sit and listen and converse. So, yeah, I um, know me as well. I, I uh, have a little social anxiety, but um, being somebody who works remotely from home, it's really nice to get a chance to, to talk to people on the phone that um, it's not about work and it's about something that both people generally are you know, excited about. And so thank you again. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, and, uh, this one will be going on not, not too, uh, uh, far away from the one year mark of your, uh, of your, uh, social engineering capture the flag win from DEF CON last year. Uh, yeah. I, that's that, that's that's actually the first question I want to ask about. How 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 was that win? You, you know, did you uh did, did did you feel any momentum going, or was it just did you just blaze over and do your thing, and did it and then the win creeped up on you? So it's actually kind of crazy the way that it works because you spend about a month. Um, doing your OSINT, writing your report, submitting it, and then waiting for your results back. And so you know your report score before you even get to DEF CON. And um, I think my report score was third. And um, so I went into the, the live call round um, in third place already. And uh, the the call points can really just make it or break it. Uh, there have been contestants who didn't have uh, very strong reports who have gone on to absolutely annihilate everyone in the the vishing call points um, phase of the game, um, and it is definitely a game. Um, and there are people that have had uh, perfect. There's one person that has had a perfect report score, and um, and uh, she was our second place winner out of the contestants for this past year. Um, she actually had a perfect OSINT score, which has not ever happened before. So wow. um, she's she's an incredible contender. Um, and uh, she, she just completely destroyed us in the reporting phase. And she had some really, really strong calls as well. Um, and I'm trying to remember her Twitter handle. I can't remember the exact thing, and I don't want to mess it up. Um, but I, I got to meet her very briefly. Oh, bleep. That's what it was. Her Twitter okay. Twitter handle is bleep. But I wanted to get the exact um, lettering, and I think there's like a three and something else in there. Anywho, point being, um, the competition was fierce. Um, there was another contestant. Uh, Ruben, who was second for reporting, and I, I honestly thought that he would take it, and um, because I know him and that he does this stuff for a living, and he's very accomplished, and he's a really great guy. So if I had to lose to somebody, uh, the two of them would have been, uh, it would have been an honor to compete against them and lose. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, this this past year when I competed, I went into the 
the call round fifth and I actually sunk um, to sixth place after the points. Um, and so then I, I decided this year that I wanted to make sure that I did better than I did last year. That was my only objective. I wanted to do better than I did last year, finish above fifth. Um, but I did not anticipate anything close to winning first or second. Um, and actually, to be honest with you, I didn't want to win because after you win, um, you're not allowed to compete again. <laughs> That's just sad. <laughs> so, um, so well, I didn't really, I didn't really set my sights on no place, it. You have no place to go but down if you do get to compete again. Right. I mean, that's true. That's true. Um, so, and it does give other people an opportunity so that you don't have the same person come back and just keep winning over and over. That would be upsetting as well. Um, I can think of a number of other winners who would just absolutely dominate year over year. Um, not necessarily myself. So, um, this year I, I also had to bring my three month old baby with me. Mm -hmm. And so she was there and I was, nursing and changing her literally minutes before I was supposed to report to the booth to do my calls. And wow. so I had to run, like I ran behind Essie Village, nursed her in the hallway of the casino conference area. Then I ran over to the restrooms that were in front of the village and I'm like screaming to the village staff, Hey, I'll be right back. I'm next. <laughs> and I've got this like baby just like dangling in my arms. So then I went and changed her, came back, threw her at my husband nicely and then uh, hopped in the booth. And I think even though it sounds completely ridiculous, chaotic and uh, crazy, that actually helped me because I was so focused on taking care of her that I didn't have the time to get the nerves um, for making the calls. So when mm -hmm. I got in the booth, I just snapped into character and did it. And, um, you know, I had purposefully targeted their uh, remote employees. I had purposefully selected the people that I was gonna target. I had very purposefully crafted my pretext. All of those things I could plan for were very much in line, but I couldn't, um, you know, account for things like, you know, it's after hours, their company time. So that's why I was calling mm -hmm. remote people and salespeople at that. Cause they generally pick their phones up and, um, I couldn't account for, Oh, I'm driving my kids to soccer practice. I'm nowhere near my computer. So there was like all these other, you know, stressful things running through my head when I actually completed my calls. The last thing on my mind was that I had won. Like the very last thing I was like, that went well. The crowd thought it was entertaining. I got some people to laugh. Um, the one gentleman that I contacted was on paternity leave, coincidentally, he still had a month left of his paternity leave and he answered my questions about his work computer, which I thought was just, it was completely insane. And of course I had the opportunity to say that I also had just come back from maternity leave and, uh, not actually fib about it. So that was kind of neat. Um, but you know, the crowd went wild, which is the best feeling in the world to give them, um, a performance that they, you know, that they really enjoy, um, and that they're excited about and that accomplishes the overall goal, which is raising awareness as to how completely, um, innocent these types of calls can sound because the conversation that I had with him, um, had nothing to do with fear. It had nothing to do with, um, making him or them even slightly uncomfortable. And so when I got out of the booth, I was just super pleased that everyone seemed to like what I did. 
and a few people always um, come up to you when you're done just because they want to ask questions about your pretext and stuff like that. And I can remember Whitney Maxwell, who is the previous year's uh, black badge winner, came running from the other side of the room and she came over and she like shook my shoulders and she's like, you just won. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And it was, it was the first day and I was the last person to go on the first day. So there were still another seven contestants to go. And I was like, you know, this is anyone's game. Like these other people are going tomorrow. There is just like, uh, you know, so many ways that this can go wrong. And, um, and uh, I'm not, I'm not even close to winning this thing. And uh, so anyway, the contestants for Friday had to compete. And then on Saturday evening, we still had no idea what the scoring was. So it's almost like a two, two full days after I competed that I found out that I won. And <clears throat> there's actually video of that moment and it's extremely awkward <laughs> because I'm like, no, no, it's not me. No, you must've counted that wrong. <laughs> and, um, so they they let me know hey you've got to be here for closing ceremonies and i'm like oh my gosh this is nuts like my kids first day of school and one of my kids first first days of kindergarten was on monday and closing ceremonies are at 4 p.m on sunday so Ooh. we missed our flight <laughs> because our flight was like 20 minutes before closing ceremonies started and uh we ended up uh right after we left closing ceremonies, which was absolutely surreal. There's so many people and um, just the support and the, the, that level of recognition is just something that I can't even describe because it, it's so extremely humbling. Um, I definitely felt like I did not <laughs> deserve that. And so we like walked off the stage and we're like, oh my goodness, we've got to go. So we like ran back to the hotel room, grabbed our bags. We're like trying to go to the airport to get a rental car so we can drive home overnight and then be there to take kids to school in the morning. So like all these crazy things are going on. And it's just like, I didn't have time to process anything. Um, I didn't have time to even sit down and like let the gravity of this hit me. And I don't <laughs> think that it really has yet. Like, um, I talked to another black badge winner from the same competition about three years ago, Chris Silvers, and um, he, it didn't really hit him until the website updated and like his name is on the DEF CON website. And um, you know, that the, the website hasn't updated yet and I've kind of been, you know, just at home, you know, grinding, <laughs> working my tail off. And so it, I really haven't, um, you know, I haven't even really let it sink in. It, it's strange to say that, but I mean, it's sitting like right there <laughs> and, and it still hasn't really sunk in yet. Um, partially, I think also because it looks so much like the, the human badge from last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is not, I've, I've verified this. It is not an Uber badge in the past. Uh, the black badges have been Ubers. Um, this year it was a black colored human badge. Um, so, okay. so, technically like the guts of it are just the same as the regular human but um it's really pretty <laughs> and and um it's been just an amazing and incredible experience um to be recognized by a community that i felt immediately at home with when i went to my first defcon i mean i'm extremely fortunate that um i live about 
an hour and a half plane flight from Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. the the expense of going to DEF CON isn't as high as a lot of other people in this and you know this country mm-hmm. and abroad. Um, but the instant that I that I arrived at DEF CON several years back, it was like all those nerdy misfit toys that came out of the same situations that I had in you know their childhood and high school careers um, who didn't really feel like they fit into a specific shape of peg slot had found somewhere to be together and that I fit in. It was nuts. And so uh, just I get a little emotional about it because being acknowledged by, you know, this group of people is just absolutely incredible. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty jazzed that the baby got to go up on stage too, because she'll get to be in that video forever. So that's kind of neat too for her. Oh, that, that's, that, that's one of the first things that caught my attention. I was like, Oh, Hey, cool. You know, it, it, it's, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't know why I guess, I guess all the pictures and videos I've ever seen out of DEF CON, not used to seeing a tiny human in them. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I know she was not like the first baby on, you know, the DEF CON stage or anything like that, but, um, you know, it was kind of neat and and it's not like I really had a lot of options. I couldn't just kind of like leave her next to the stage or anything like that. Um, you know, so it was, it was neat to be able to do that together. I honestly do not recommend taking a baby to DEF CON if you can avoid it because it was extremely, uh, limiting and I did not enjoy exposing her to you know the smoke and the casino air and stuff like that but um, I'd already committed to do the contest and uh, she was so tiny and I just didn't feel right leaving her home um, especially since you know mom life but yep. anyway yeah it, it's been completely incredible and um, the people that I've connected with and met through um, through this and also just through DEF CON in general, mm-hmm. um, it, it's absolutely been life-changing. And I don't mean that lightly. Well, um, given the fact that you were able to uh, nail the competition last year, you know, it's, I, I guess it'd be a good question of how, how long have you actually been uh, working at? How long have you been honing your craft? Uh, well, as far as OSINT goes, um, and just intelligence and information gathering in general, um, I would say I probably started having a curiosity for that back when I was, you know, much younger. And then um, I started doing it professionally in um, a title insurance role at a title and escrow company uh, okay. before I even turned 20. And so it's, it's been nearly 20 years that I've been um, using these skills professionally for information gathering. Um, and that's really where my passion was. Um, as far as like the vishing and the, the, the social engineering side of things, um, I would say that I was a, you know, um, manipulative little jerk as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and and uh, I really was not using my skills for the greater good. We'll put it that way. Um, I was just a, a conniving little uh, butthead. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to swear, but 
Um, so, so I, I had all these sneaky skills. We'll, we'll go that route. Sneaky skills. Okay. And, um, I would mess with pay phones and I would use my free bus pass that I got, um, as a, uh, a welfare kid, um, to ride around town and harass store owners and shoplift and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, just try to get into free movies and talk adults into buying me things that I shouldn't have. And, you know, just all these sneaky things because we didn't have a lot. And so, um, you know, the great thing about, um, uh, uh, difficult situations is that they give you opportunities to learn new skills, right? Get so <laughs> yeah, get creative. And if you, um, you know, if you have adversity in your life, you get the opportunity to become good at being sneaky. So, uh, yeah, I learned how to forge the very first letter that came home from the school with my signature as my mom's signature. So they kept that on file to reference anytime I wanted to write myself out for PE nice. and, <laughs> and, you know, all these other little sneaky things. And for a long time, my parents, you know, um, I, I lived with my mom for a while and, and she was kind of like, um, she was very detached as far as like her parenting style. She let me just kind of explore and uh be creative and um i never really got into any serious trouble i mean there was one or two incidences where i wound up in the principal's office or something like that uh, mm. per year but anyway moving along <laughs> and uh and then i i went to live with my dad and his parenting style was a little bit more structured <laughs> we'll say and so i went to um a, a co-ed school and there was a uniform involved and all these other very strict rules. And, um, they kept trying to smush me into this mold of what they wanted their ideal student to be. And I just kept fighting them on it. Um, and finally when I, um, you know, I got, um, I got transferred to an all girls school, all girls Catholic school. Um, and it was honestly one of the best things that ever happened because it took so much pressure off of me as a teenage girl and it really let my it, it let me really throw myself into the the things that interested me um without this like pressure from the the other girls and um boys and all this other nonsense that a lot of teenagers have to deal with in co-ed situations and um so I really threw myself into my computer science classes and I started hanging out in the, the lab after school and um, I was playing this game. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers it, but it's called Lord and it's Legend of the Red Dragon and it's a text-based role-play game. Super nerdy. And I wanted to learn how to cheat it. <laughs> Okay. So, so uh, it, it's based on, um, I believe it, I, you know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty positive that the version I was playing was coded in Turbo Pascal. And that is what we were learning to code in. 
at the time. Yes, I'm old. Thank you. I know. So then uh, <laughs> I was like trying to figure out how to hack this game so that I could basically give myself all the things, right? Like I don't want to spend five years traveling around the forest picking up stuff. Like just give it all to me now. And so that's what I spent most of like the last three years of high school doing um, was trying to figure out how to break things. And then um, I went to college I majored in chemical and molecular sciences with a minor in computer science. And I did not finish that degree, if you go Google me. But it helped me, you know, to have a jumping off point. And then, um, you know, things kind of went crazy in my life. And um, I ended up moving continents again. And I ended up having to start over and work a minimum wage job and figure out if I wanted to go back to school. And so that's when, um, after a brief stint in retail, I went to the title insurance company and I started learning all these crazy cool things about how you could research the chain of title for properties, how to look up documents on microfiche and how to, um, um, you know, research um, whether or not a person still had an interest in a piece of property, what happened to them. We'd have to dig up like death certificates and probates and read through all the probate documentation. Of course, there's all kinds of flammatory, like exclude this person from the will. And, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff just fascinated me so much. Um, and then the real estate market fell out of the bottom of itself. And I had to, you know, kind of shift roles. And I bounced around until I found the role that I'm in now um, where I do competitive market intelligence and specifically um, uh, in the staffing area. So I help, um, I help our clients figure out what their competitors are doing, how they're hiring and how they're doing stuff. And sometimes this um, falls into the realm of phone calls and doing what, uh, we generally call primary research. And so I discovered this area of the business and that I could use my skills there. And then I found the SECTF and I have kind of got uh, phone call anxiety, like pretty bad. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like calling people to discuss things. I would much rather send you like 75 emails and just delay it for like four days and then, you know, just see if we can figure it out that way first, because I don't know. So I decided that I was going to apply for the SECTF and try to work on that area of my own, um, you know, skills so that I could better my phone um, skills for not just like fishing or um, assessments or something like that, but just to be able to relate to people and to get them to tell me the things that I needed to know um, by leading them. And one of the books that I, I picked up while I was doing my prep for SECTF was uh, Robin uh, Dreek's book about trust. And I'm looking up the exact title because I don't want to mess it up. But uh, his book, The Code of Trust, is exceptional. And the one of the very first things he says um, also, it's not all about me, the top 10 techniques for building quick rapport, another really good one um, from him. But the things that he says about how uh, lying and manipulation tactics 
always come out and will bite you in the rear, especially when you're trying to build a long-term relationship. Like they're great for car sales because you're like, Mm -hmm. here's your car. Okay. Now you're stuck with it. But (laughs) if you're trying to build like a long-term relationship or in his case at the FBI, he was trying to recruit people to, um, you know, BCIs and things like that. If you're really trying to build trust, you can't use those tactics because they're not, they're not genuine. People always see through them and they always come back to bite you. Um, and so he was talking about, and I'm paraphrasing of course, and he was talking about, um, how influence is leadership. And so by leading people, you influence their behaviors instead of manipulating or trying to, um, you know, push them a certain way, you actually lead them and make them want to help you. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with just being a likable person. Mm-hmm. but there's definitely a skill to it. And um, I learned so much from both he and uh, Chris Hadnagy from their books and um, what they've shared through their talks. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm you know not going to be able to recognize all the people that contributed um, to that, but I would definitely say that, that what I've learned over the last three years from everyone from Rachel Toback and Snow to, um, you know, Whitney Maxwell and Chris Kirsch and all these amazing and incredible people, um, they've really enabled me to realize this potential um, mm-hmm. and, and shown me the light, so to speak. And so I really tried to, to shift my mindset away from manipulation rather to leading. And um, so that's kind of how the skills that I have came about. Um, It's been like a hard knock life, plus all these incredible people who are so giving of their, their time and their talents. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I think that's just about everybody in the, in the emphasis community without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you did. You did say something. I, I, I promise, I was following everything. <laughs> everything you said, but you said something that I'm like, okay, mental note. I need to go back and ask about this. You said you moved continents again. <laughs> How many times have you moved continents? Um, so the nutshell, like the the Cliff Notes version, is I was born and raised in South Africa, and I spent my uh, preteen years in um, Santa Cruz, California. And then I moved back to South Africa and I did eighth grade through college. And then I moved back to California um, after that at the age of 19. I think, okay, in my mind, that that explains your name. (laughs) No, my name is actually Greek. It's Greek. Okay. Yep. And here's, here's the crazy thing I have to tell you. My name literally translated means truth. Isn't that the craziest thing? (laughs) One of nature's ironies. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, no, it's, it really does. You can Google that. It's Greek. Um, But okay. Uh, okay. Then I, I've told, I totally got to ask just a, just a uh, self-indulgent question then. Um, with the connection to South Africa, mm-hmm. you happen to be a rugby fan by any chance? 
Uh, well, my parents are American. So yes, I did live there for quite a number of years and I do have an appreciation for rugby and I'll always support my spring box. Um, but yeah, I'm very familiar with rugby and I do enjoy it. I'm not like a diehard fan or anything. Um, but I will definitely appreciate a good, uh, rugby match and also the shorts who cannot appreciate the shorts. <laughs> so yes. Um, but yeah, I, the Springboks are, are, um, a phenomenal team and they did incredibly well this past year. I will add, um, I still have a lot of, a lot of connections back to South Africa. So I try to celebrate with them. Yeah, I, uh, I I always enjoyed watching them from the moment I first started watching rugby. And then it just seems like they just dropped off and how they were playing yeah. there for a little while. But they, but, but uh, the World Cup last year, they did yes. wonderful. It, <laughs> they did so it, well. it, it was a pleasure to actually watch them play again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, they did phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And I, I I root for a lot of teams, but I I appreciate a good a good game of rugby no matter who's mm-hmm. playing. So, okay, um, so let's uh, let's uh, dive off in a, in a different direction then. Um, okay. <laughs> so a, so so a, a precursor question to what will technically be question four. Are you a morning okay. person or a night person? You know, I want to be a morning person. Like deep down inside, I really do. Like I would love it. And there are some times that I have to get up for like work conference calls and stuff because I'm on the wrong coast. Um, and I'm like, you know, the sunrise is really beautiful. I should get up early more often. But then I'm like, ugh, this sucks. <laughs> I really am more of a night person. Like if I could make my own like work schedule, I would much rather like wake up at 10 and stay up till two. Like that would be my ideal, you know, cadence to my day because I find that I think much more clearly between like 10 and two or like after 4 PM. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So since that was the precursor question, then, uh, here's the real question. Number four, um, what would you say is the best midnight snack out there? Uh, cold cereal. And I, I do not really discriminate. Like, I just love all cereal. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be Fruit Loops. Even though they completely destroy the top of my mouth, I will love them forever. <laughs> I, th- I think probably my go-to if I was choosing anything by default is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It kind of well, disturbs me that those little guys eat each other. So I don't know if we can <laughs> I just don't feel comfortable having them in my house. <laughs> well, the, 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 uh, yeah, it's, uh, honestly, it's not as much about the cereal for me. It's about the milk. Yeah. After you get done with the cereal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. I, I would do that with, um, as a kid, like Cocoa Krispies. I really didn't mm-hmm. care about the cereal. It was like the chocolate milk at the end was the best because my mom wouldn't buy it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hashtag life hacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right. So cold cereal, that means that, uh, that means that you're definitely not a vegan. I actually do not drink dairy. Do you eat eggs? At all. I do eat eggs. 
Um, okay, so, I'm so not, you're not a vegan. But I do not do dairy, and it's um, it's mostly because I'm sensitive to dairy. But it's it's been so many years now that just the taste in the mouthfeel of cow's milk kind of grosses me out. I mean, to be mm-hmm. frank. Okay. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, hold any prejudices. Okay. So, so, so sounds like, it sounds like you're probably still a person that's a fan of bacon and everything else too. Yes. Oh man. I could never, I, you know, I want to quit eating meat. Like I really do. But, but the way that my system is, I do really well if I'm on like high protein and then high fiber and I really should stop eating carbs like altogether unless it's like something really low on the, the glycemic index or whatever. Um, but, but it's just because I don't feel good if I eat too much sugar and whether that's yeah. coming from bread or something else doesn't really matter, but I just feel like a slug. And so I really need somewhere to derive that protein from. And so for me, you know, meat just makes sense, but, um, yeah, I feel kind of, okay. So, but so, I, so, the, the, those those were probing questions for setting that question. I, I kind of figured you're setting me up for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. So, 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 official question number five: What what would you say is the best choice of meat ever? Oh, I love a good steak. I really, really do. And, okay. Um, so what? what so, so, so what cut and what cook? <laughs> uh, I'm a medium. And uh, probably would say a ribeye. Okay, and then I, I, I and then I guess the other thing would be: are you are you a purist, or do you like your steaks with steak sauce? Or oh God, uh, stop! Just stop. <laughs> so you're a purist. Yes. <laughs> okay. Like well, salt, see, pepper. See, because I was even, I was about to ask, like you know, if it, you know if you did like steak Oscar or something like that with crab topping or. No. Okay. So here's another weird, like a weird thing with me. I don't eat anything with like tentacles or claws. <laughs> I just can't. I just I cannot do it. Like I've tried to love crab and I just cannot do it. But I eat sushi. What? Yes, I really do. Okay. And oh, I will. Okay. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've got to. I've got to make sure I can't state this enough enough so every time the topic of sushi comes up <laughs> sushi has nothing to do with fish people has zero to do with fish there might be fish in your sushi but there can not be fish in your sushi oh no well. yeah there's vegetarian <laughs> sushi and all kinds of stuff no i get it but i will eat like um i'm not like super nuts about eel or any of that stuff but i will eat okay. the fish eggs the tobiko yeah. oh my goodness i love it um and it's it's tough for me because my husband is like 100% opposed to anything that has been within like a 10 meter radius of a piece of seaweed. <laughs> so he's just like, no. And so I really don't get to um, have it that often. So I've been like relegated to like grocery store sushi for the past few years. And it's been really, really sad. <laughs> um. Okay, so but one of my uh, customers is a sushi restaurant, so I'm hoping I can change that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, no, I I, uh, I uh, spent a lot of time in Kansas a number of years ago, and ended up finding this uh, sushi place that you know it's you know I 
I'm not a fish sushi, fish sushi person by any means. Okay. Um, but uh, but by what I'm told, the fish was pretty fresh despite being in the middle of the continent. Isn't um, that always kind of scary? Yeah, that is. But this place, though, actually also catered to uh, the non-traditional sushi crowd. Okay. They had had what they called a jackass roll. Okay. It had (laughs) pork, French fries. Oh, hey. All all sorts of stuff. I mean, it was was like a a plate from a South Carolina barbecue restaurant wrapped up in rice. That's really awesome. Yeah, seriously after this send me the place <laughs> because uh, um my my uh, husband's also like a huge barbecue fan okay. um he does uh barbecue smoked meats and things i'm sure he would be happy to consider something like that if i could roll it up without any seaweed <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll i'll see if i can uh if i can go and dig that out and i'll send that to you okay um so moving on to question number six. Um, who's your favorite band in high school? Oh, that's easy. So, well, I have two, but I would have to say if I have to pick one, it would be Stone Temple Pilots, like okay. hands down. And then and then a very, very close second uh, would be Soundgarden. And I like literally was devastated when they broke up. It was devastating. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the two other okay, than, so. other than that, I really listen to predominantly like EDM. Okay. Okay. Um, so Stone Temple Pilots, what would you, what would you say is the top Stone Temple Pilot track? God, don't make me do that. That's not fair at all. <laughs> 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 like, I mean the, the video and like the first thing that I saw that really like captured my attention um, from them was Big Bang Baby. And it was just because of my age at the time um, that 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 album is the one that had just been released. Um, but the album, the albums before that probably spoke to me a lot more as I got older. Um, and I remember my, uh, my stepmom's brother so my step uncle, he had all of their um, cassette tapes when he came to visit one time, and so I. Um, you almost forgot the terminology there. Yeah, it's been a while. I dubbed them all onto other cassette tapes, and um, and it was just like I would play the heck out of those things, and then later, of course, I updated um, to the CDs. And uh, like Plush, oh, such a good album. And uh, but Purple is my favorite. And songs like um, like Interstate Love Song, like all of those songs. Vaseline, that one is like the twisty insides of my guts are in that song. And um, you know, it's like now now my life is in a completely different place um and i've i've really done like some serious work the past decade to shift my own mindset to one that's a lot more positive um and and supportive of others um but at the time 
I was an extremely dark and twisty, selfish, narcissistic little jerk. And so I would just wallow <laughs> really deep in um, to these songs and just like, it, it felt like they got me. Um, and, and just in general, I've liked dark and twisty things for a long time. Um, most of what I listen to because the like Euro rave dance music culture was so huge in South Africa in the nineties. Um, most of what I listened to was definitely more along the lines of like electronic dance music and house music specifically. Um, but a few of the ones that I remember was like a band called Lavash, which is like the cow. And they had a an album called Milk Incorporated. <laughs> it's the lamest thing. But they had some really catchy like pop dance stuff. But like most of what I listened to didn't really have a name because it was all spun by DJs and, you know, stuff that they got from underground clubs in the UK and brought back. And like mm -hmm. I spent Y2K thinking that the earth was going to, you know, if the earth gets nuked, at the stroke of midnight, I would much rather be at an underground rave than sitting at home with my parents. So I, I remember like the stroke of midnight and like I can close my eyes and see it. There were like green laser beams and crap everywhere. It was amazing. <laughs> I think it was the first time that, um, it was like the first time that I tried alcohol and like all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, all right, question number seven. Sounds like you might have something to give me for this one. What's the craziest story that you that you have that you'd be willing to share? That's a that's a different one. That's a loaded um, question. <laughs> that is loaded, man. Uh, craziest story in what realm? Doesn't matter. Okay, I'm Doesn't gonna have matter. to think for a minute. I, you know, it's like I, I asked Rando about this same question, and uh, <laughs> and uh, he actually told me about a time that he um, he, he uh, unknowingly ingested a little uh, bit of uh, LSD. Oh shoot! <laughs> <laughs> well, I have knowingly done all the drugs I've done, <laughs> but. but um, yeah, I oh man, I think I owe him some stickers too. I wonder if by the time that this is actually aired, I will have sent them to him. You have till July. <laughs> yep, I'm I am awful. I'm the worst follow-upper and it's only because my priorities and my list of to-dos is just exponentially growing. Um man, I really don't know what. Let's see. Okay. So <laughs> I live in California, it's legal. So I don't want to hear it, but this was a long time ago when it wasn't. <laughs> All right. I decided that I was going to deal drugs. <laughs> and uh, at the time, I was very early 20s. I had this really piece of crap um, Chevy Cavalier. It was like Pepsi can blue. It didn't have reverse. And... <laughs> <laughs> And, and it was just like waiting to get pulled over. Um, and, and so I decided I was going to purchase a large quantity of marijuana and I was going to drive it from one town to another town. 
um, and then I was going to distribute it. And uh, <clears throat> none of this actually happened. <laughs> so um, I, the guy that I was dating at the time knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. I ended up having like a pound of marijuana in my trunk. It was not a large quantity by any means, but at the time it felt huge. And so I, um, I, I ended up uh, driving home from this guy's house in like the middle of the night. And it was just me. Uh, the guy that I was dating had stayed back and I was going home because I had to work the next morning. And so it was like four in the morning and the roads are empty and I'm going like 95 <laughs> in a 55 up the state highway into the mountains back to my house um, because I have to be at work in like four hours and I'm tired. <laughs> and so I'm like hauling through this tiny little gold rush town and uh, the CHP office is like located down a street that crosses this highway. And there's like a car dealership on the corner and you can't really see it on the street, but it's like about a mile down. So they're always coming out of there to go to this highway and then start their shifts. So I blow past this intersection, just doing like no BS between 90 and 95. Um, and it took this cop three minutes to catch me <laughs> so he finally catches up to me and I've gone from this little gold rush town to the next one by the time he gets me and he pulls me over and I you know this was like 50 pounds ago I was really small and really blonde and um he pulls me over and he gets up to the car and this thing has got like 14 inch Dayton's on it. I bought it used, it was 500 bucks. I don't want any judgment, okay? So anyway, this cop walks up and I know he's not anticipating that this is a, you know, 128 pound, almost six foot blonde, driving this car at 4 a.m. doing 95 through a gold rush town that is completely deserted. When he gets to the window, his eyes almost like rolled like over twice because he just couldn't fathom what he was looking at. <laughs> and he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, and like my guts are just in my throat. And I'm like, there's a pound of weed in my drug. And <laughs> I'm looking at him and I'm like, I am so sorry. I, you know, I just, I work 20 minutes from here. I live 20 minutes from here and I work down here. And I'm just desperate to get home because I'm exhausted and I have to work in four hours and I still need to like get a nap and then like a shower before I go to work. Um, and so I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't notice how fast I was going because nobody's on the road and I'm listening to this. And I like played like the EDM that was in my, you know, aftermarket CD changer at the time. <laughs> And he's like, oh, because it's all like, you know, high speed dance music, right? So that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And he's like, well, and he like looks at me and he like looks around and he's like, Ugh, paperwork. And so he's like, you know, just try to ease up on the pedal, okay? <laughs> I'm like, you got it. <laughs> and so I like, you know, I didn't, I didn't lie. I, I mean, I didn't give him all the truth. But 
I didn't lie and I didn't try to get out of anything. And so, and so I think that just admitting that I screwed up kind of, you know, cops are sick of listening to excuses. They're so sick of it. And so just like admitting that I screwed up and like begging forgiveness, um, I got out of the situation. And like the next day I was like, I'm not doing this. Like I returned it. <laughs> like I like took it out of the car, put it in the house, went to work, came back, got it, took it back and was like, nope. I'm not cut out for this life. <laughs> I just can't deal with the stress. And so it, it never actually happened. But um, it was like, I've never been so scared. You know when like your blood literally feels like it turns into ice in your veins? That <laughs> is what it felt like. And I still managed to keep my stuff together and talk to the guy. It was, it was nuts. And I got pulled over a lot. Like that car just... It did. It looked like it belonged to somebody who was completely the opposite type of person that I was. We'll just leave it at that. And so, you know, tinted windows, little mag wheels. Yes, that's a word from back then. And, uh, you know, all this stuff just made it look like it was breaking the law constantly. <laughs> um, and so I would get pulled over and I'd be like, hey. And they'd be like, what are you? Is this your boyfriend's car? <laughs> Where's your boyfriend? <laughs> and I'm like, nope, that's me I'm right there on the registration. And they're like, okay. <laughs> so it sounds like uh, it sounds like with that getting pulled the that getting pulled over, what you were talking about, that you were already learning how to lead instead of manipulate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I actually I got pulled over once uh, when I was driving. Um, before I even got my driver's license. Cause when I moved here, I was 19, but I didn't have a driver's license because you know, foreign country, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I was driving on my learner's permit and transporting minors. And I managed to get Ooh. out of that one. Wow. So yeah, I've only ever gotten a ticket once and I think I've been pulled over at least a hundred times. <laughs> nice. And the one time yeah. I got a ticket, it was, it was just one of those days when I was like, what? <laughs> Like I just wasn't going to put the effort into it. And so I was like, oh, fine, just ride it. And it was like yeah. for speeding. But I was doing like felony speeding and they like mm -hmm. wrote it down for like the lowest one. So. Well, I yeah, I uh, got plenty of speeding tickets at a younger age. Um, now Nowadays, I just won't do it. I will not do it. Because no. it's, a, it's one of those things that, that the moment that I decide to do it yes. whenever, man, there's a cop all of a sudden. Yep. So, <laughs> so I will tell you what though, like get yourself a four-year-old. You will never need a radar detector again. They can find emergency vehicles and law enforcement vehicles from like miles away. <laughs> yeah, but I've, but I've definitely saying, I've got, adapted I've got a, my uh, driving habits I've, since. Uh, having kids, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've, I've got a six-year-old that can do that. So, yeah. yeah. Understand. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, question number eight. Okay, let's, let's say the apocalypse has happened. The world is just a wasteland. Okay. What three people 
are you going to have around you that help make sure that you can survive Mad Max, basically? Oh, my goodness. Um, so full disclosure, I haven't seen that movie, but I have seen Waterworld, so I'm going off that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, three people. God, you're not going to know any of them, so this is going to be an awkward an awkward scenario. Um, let's see. Well, first and foremost, I mean, and this isn't just because it's like implied, but um, my husband is really like my primary champion. Um, and he definitely balances out my uh, extremes. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then this is a really messed up question because I have four kids. So <laughs> Okay. So, I mean, my family is who I would take with me. But if we're going to just go off, like, you know, randomness and, like, choose celebrities or something fun, um, okay, then I, Well, I'll, I'll give you peace of mind, but we can, we can okay. assume that you can have all four kids with you. Okay. <laughs> um, man, I don't know who else I would pick. This is really tough. Um... Cause I gotta figure out if I can tolerate this person. <laughs> like, I I know this sounds crazy coming from a social engineer, but I'm quite an introvert, and so like I need me time. <laughs> um, let's see. Just wander out in the desert and hope you don't run into any zombies. Yeah, really. Um. Man, this is hard. I don't have any friends. Did you know that? <laughs> I just realized it. Like, as I was taking stock, I realized I have no friends. All the people in the internet are my friends. Well, then pick people that you know from online. So, okay. So, like, let's just go completely infosec, like, end of the world on this. Okay. And um, I would say that I would absolutely take Snow okay. and uh, Whitney Maxwell and Kat Murdoch. Those are my three. Okay, and those, what about them will help you survive the end of the world? Um, well, Snow has talents that she won't even disclose to the universe. <laughs> as far as, as far as like, um, what skills they have, like, I'm one of those people that uh, believes that you don't have to know everything to be the smartest person in the room. Um, I think like a great percentage of being smart is the ability to solve problems and to find the information as opposed to knowing everything, right? And I think that between those three people, the four of us could probably, uh, you know, uh, come up with a strategy and ways to solve pretty much any problem that we faced um and yeah those are those are my three definitely well my, much like the rest of an evil movie is i totally believe that the only the only way that men survive in a situation like that one of two ways <laughs> or one, 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 one of three ways and you'll understand the third way but the, the first way is if they have loads and loads of money like the umbrella corporation yeah. Okay. Um, the second way is if they, is if they uh, team up with a bunch of women. 
<laughs> and the third way, if you check Norris. Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean that's a given. There you go. Yeah, outside of that, if 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 Ben aren't in any of those study categories, then there's no way they survive after the apocalypse. It's just not going to happen. So I'm one of those. I'm one of those people that really. Um, I really like to use, uh, I want to say gender neutral ideas. That's mm -hmm. how I'm going to pose this because, um, you know, I, I don't pick those three people because they're women. No, um, sure. I pick those three people because of the skills that they bring. Um, and I, I absolutely don't want to be exclusionary to other, to other um, people. And so the reason I picked them is because those people have become really, really close comrades of mine. So they will be my, essentially my apocalypse red team. Um, because, because I feel like just surviving something like that would require a significant, um, you know, amount of talent in the area of hacking your life, mm. basically. Um, not just like trying to break into places and steal stuff, <laughs> even though that'll be fun. <laughs> well, it, it, it also also would need a significant amount of trust, which which you alluded to is that is uh, they are they are ones that uh, it probably would be really easy, really really easy to trust them outside of uh, obviously trusting your husband. So. <laughs> yeah. So so we've. I mean, I've. I've thought about this. So if ever there was a situation where, um, you know, something like that happened, like let's just say that all currency disappears or whatever, I think that society would really become um, what we see in um, prison for lack of a better example of a society with no real currency other than like, you know, stuff that they can't really access yes so what becomes currency things that you can trade what do people want things that are bad for you so i really think that if you like cornered the market on a good supply of you know alcohol and tobacco and you know those types of things that people like to indulge in um, the, the world is your oyster put the down with tf theme this year <laughs> Yeah, no, that I I totally get that. You know, if you if you really if you really wanted to just take life by the horns, you find a way to corner the market worldwide, and then be the person that makes currency go away. True. <laughs> you're, you're you're prepared for it. You're prepared for it. You cause it, and that just puts well, you I in think, position. I think I think Mr. Robot kind of explored that through that series, which is kind of terrifying, actually when you really boil it down um, to what it would be reality wise. But um, yeah, I think that that's definitely something that there's the potential for, um, you know, mm -hmm. complete and total anarchy <laughs> and chaos. Um, but I don't think that we'll actually ever realize it, not in our lifetimes. Okay, okay, fair point, fair point. Um... Okay, question nine. Question nine is a uh, a uh, one or the other question, but I'll let you. <coughs> excuse me. I'll let you pick the general topic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> pick so, my poison. <laughs> science fiction or food? 
Um, let's go with sci-fi. Sci-fi. Okay. Star Wars or Star Trek? Ah, <laughs> I want to go back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a really great appreciation for Star Trek. Um, I was raised in a house for a time that it was watched every week, and I love it. It has a special place in my heart. But <laughs> definitely Star Wars, if I have to pick one. Okay, okay. So if you funny enough, sit- funny enough, same household mm-hmm. um, where um, where I was introduced to both. Um, so Star Wars just seemed so much more uh, just fascinating. Like the universe was so vast, and the and the the complexities of the storyline were so much more captivating, and the characters were so fully, you know, so well developed and humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and obviously Princess Leia. I mean, General Leia is amazing. Um, you know, just her her story arc is something that I think is really neat. Okay. Um, then uh, okay. Then a uh, a question related to Star Wars is one that can be a little divisive. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> What would you do with Jar Jar Binks if? if oh God, just take him out. I just, <laughs> just, I can't watch the first three. I can't do it. I can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it makes me insane. I can't even explain how nuts his voice makes me. Um, but yeah, I think like I watched the first three, um, you know, not too long ago because I had a a son that I wanted to introduce to the series and I can't not show him that these exist. Right. Yeah. But just going back and watching them reminded me like why I don't watch them. <laughs> so I really adore four, five and six. And I think that um, seven and eight are fantastic. I'm still kind of, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but it just wasn't what I expected um, with episode nine. And so, um, yes, but I think that aside from Solo, um, all the movies have been really strong lately. Um, well, and I, I think that they've, they've given it the respect it deserves. Well, the, is the, 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 one, the, the one topic I always see coming up with episode nine mm-hmm. is, is uh, um, Palpatine. When did he have sex? And who actually was willing to have sex with Palpatine? Yeah, that's something I don't think will ever get answered. Um, (laughs) I think that they focused so strongly on trying to make her parents somebody that would shock people that they didn't really map it back. And I'm sure that there are people who could dig into, like, the is this canon side of the stories and come up with an answer. So please, if anybody knows, like, tag me, tweet me tell me because I am lost. But um, like, I, I just think that, that it didn't end the way that I anticipated. And after the force awakens was so strong, it was a little anticlimactic, but, um, but I definitely uh, love the old movies and not the edited HD ones. I'm talking about the originals with the puppets and whatnot. Also adore the Mandalorian. I love it. I really resisted signing up for Disney Plus because I knew that they were manipulating me, but I did it and I love it. 
So, <laughs> so yeah, the the Mandalorian I highly recommend. But so, um, so speaking of which, did you see the fan art of of uh, the baby baby Java? Baby Java. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Cute. That's gonna date this this uh, interview, just so you know. But oh, uh, but yeah, but the baby job is adorable. Um, <laughs> so the baby Yoda just like completely owns me, and because I ha- I still have a baby that's so young. Like mm-hmm. all of my, my mom instincts just like go crazy when the little baby Yoda is like flying around the spaceship, knocking into walls. And then when that, I oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. Spoilers. So many spoilers. If you haven't seen it, um, just fast forward like the next 15 seconds. But at the, the very last episode, when the stormtroopers are like punching it in the satchel, I was like, no, <laughs> like losing my mind. It made me so angry. I just like sat there frozen. But fun fact, I am um, about 15 minutes away from where Star Wars was conceived, where the idea of Star Wars came to reality through George Lucas's imagination. So that's oh, kind of awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Um, oh, shoot. What was I totally blanked out. <laughs> okay, well, I guess if I blank out, then I guess that means I need to uh, go to question number 10 then. Um, so yes, we've arrived at the final question. Um, what would you say is both the best and the worst advice you've ever received? Oh, um, the best advice would probably be uh, not to let the time that you've invested in a path that you're on make you feel like you have to stay on that path. Um, most people don't know this, but I was uh, married previously, and I felt that you know the five years I invested in that relationship was so long that I owed it to the relationship to stay in it. Um, and, um, obviously I finally came to a point where that was something that I realized was not the case and it was the best decision I ever made. And now double the time away from that, um, it seems very silly and insignificant those five years. So getting out of a situation and having, um, an outside perspective on stuff, um, and not letting other people's expectations of you limit your own potential um, is absolutely the best advice that I've ever gotten. Um, You know, you have the control of your life and nobody else does. And whatever situation you're in, um, if it's uncomfortable, um, the only thing stopping you is hard work. And it may not be easy, but it is possible. And then I would say the worst advice that I ever got was, I'm gonna have to think about it for a minute. Um, <laughs> to get my tongue pierced. That was the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> like, man, that was a bad decision. <laughs> like, um, I know that it works out really well for some people and they enjoy it. And at first I thought it was the coolest thing ever, but I chipped my tooth <laughs> And then I started getting all kinds of cavities and I had to bid it a fond farewell. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 
Right. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's the 10th question come and gone. Uh, I can give you an opportunity to add anything else in or plug anything if you really want to. Um, no, I don't feel like I need to plug anything. I, um, yeah. I, I really just, um, I am so honored really and truly to be even thought of as a member of this like crazy infosec bunch of people. And, um, you know, we don't always agree on everything, but I don't think any family ever does. And, uh, and you know, I'm never, I'm never going to be what I am not or pretend to be something that I'm not. And, um, I just really enjoy social engineering. And if I can help other people learn about that, and um, if anybody needs a, a a hand with SECTF prep, let me know <laughs> because I live for that stuff. Um, but I mean, really, I just I'm here to lift other people up, and um, I really want to use um, the platform that I have however tiny it is, um, to elevate the people that do the real work. Um, and there are a bunch of people that I've met that are so much smarter and more highly skilled on, you know, the other sides of this coin. And so, um, I really appreciate everything that they've shared with me and everything that they have contributed to my life. And so if I can pay that forward to people that are trying to, to figure out how to get into this arena, um, you know, I work for a staffing company. Hit me up. I can point <laughs> you in a direction. It may not be the right one, but it would probably lead you somewhere that would be helpful. <laughs> hey, uh, so, you know, a, a path is only able to be utilized if you take a step on it. Exactly. So. All right. Well, thank you very much. I. <laughs> every single one of these conversations I have with people, they're all different. They're all unique. And I appreciate every single one of them. I always have so much fun. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been a, a really fun journey. And so uh, thank you for the opportunity to spend some time with you. Everybody loves talking about themselves, don't they? So <laughs> this was a lot of fun. And um, I hope that that people will enjoy it. Probably, probably not as much as Tinker's breaking and entering stories or anything like that, but Oh, come on now. Come on now. Everybody has their own story. Everybody is entertaining in their own right. I, I firmly believe that, and I stand behind that. <laughs> well, thank um, you again, and I'm sure that, that we'll keep in close contact via the Twitters. And if you ever do happen to make it out this way, don't, do not not tell me, because it would be great to meet in person and share a frosty glass or a warm mug.